news so little time. It is the Extra Bases Podcast with Bristol and Booth. Actually, we have a lot of time because this is a podcast and we can go as long as we want, Jeremy. We can, and, and it usually flows, so I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, so the big thing with the Houston Astros is Carlos Correa heading to the IL with a um, fractured rib due to a massage. Correa calls it frustrating, which is certainly the understatement of the month. Frustrating. Cracked rib from a massage? What do the Astros do at this point? I mean, is now the time? He's going to be out a couple of months. I know Jeff Luno's hoping that all the horses will be back by the All-Star break. If you're in the front office and this happens, is do you start to look externally for options at shortstop, thinking that not only will it help you in the short term, but come October, it could help you in the long term? What do you address first, though? Do you address the massage and the, and, and, and the fractured rib and the athleticism that comes with a fracturing a rib during a massage, right? Or do you address... The, the issues that this happens now with the ball club. Now, look, let's say this. Correa clearly didn't intend to have a fractured rib. No. I don't think anybody sets out to but, break but their rib. But players, as we all know, some of them use treatment in-house, and pretty much all of them do treatment outside of the ballpark. Is they this- have their own people, which, you know, for hitting coaches, <clears throat> they, they, they go to people outside for their hitting, why wouldn't they go outside for their for and, their and pitching guys too? Pitching, yeah. There's one guy in the big leagues right now with oh yeah with the Astros right. who we we know each other. Yeah. Um, let's get back to I, I, I got to dive into that a little. Okay. I got to because look, man, we have people like what cut their finger on a water bucket. You know, we have people that stub their toe moving furniture. Well, Glenn Allen Hill, who I know is a friend of the Future yeah, Star yeah, series. Yeah. Poor Glenn Allen Hill landed on the at the time DL because uh-huh. of uh, a nightmare about spiders. Right, yeah. right. We have we have some odd and and and, and interesting injuries, mm-hmm. and, and I guess we could this say this will probably land Correa in the top twenty five to top top fifty to top twenty five uh, most bizarre injuries in Major League history. This one's pretty good. This is a pretty good one. Now I don't know. If this is a first time masseuse. I don't know if this was. At All right. Home. No, I'm serious. I'm okay. serious. I'm trying okay. to figure out what kind of masseuse. Like, like people have been cut cracking jokes on this on Twitter about this all day. Really? I'm uh, so surprised. And, and I don't know what to say, man, because again, you know, he didn't well, I do know what to say. I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it. He didn't try to have this happen, but how do you end up with a fractured rib? How does that happen from somebody just Trying to rub out a muscle kink. It might have been a, a little more pressure than necessary. Okay. Okay. So you tell me he can't handle pressure. No, I didn't say oh, you're not that saying at all. That. No, you're not saying that. No. Okay. Well, be that as it may, we're down for the count in a uh, in a torso area. It's going to take, what, four to six weeks? Four to six off, weeks. To, to rehab. And, and, and look, rightfully so, because the ribs are nothing to play with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that midsection is a big part of everything you do, and and it's it's going to be tough. You know, he probably has trouble breathing right now. He probably can't swing. Brand new one for me. Okay, what does that do for the club? Well, Bregman's going to slide over and play short naturally. Okay? Guriel now goes across the diamond to third base potentially. Um, you've got uh, JD Davis is no longer here, so he's in in New York. AJ Reed is not an option. AJ Reed is not an option. You've got. Um, uh, Tyler White playing first base, who's not a long-term option now. You've got Bradley in left, 
You've got Reddick out there. You've got Marisnik now in center, and you may have Tony Kemp in there somewhere, whether it's second base or whether it's the outfield, because Altuve's down, right? So the lineup on Wednesday night, yeah. the first night that Correa's out, as we all know, Bregman at short, as you mentioned, Gurriel at third, White at first, Tony Kemp at second. So you've got a situation where this isn't the team you thought you were going to go to battle with. Now, <laughs> now look, we talked a couple a couple different things about this, and one of them was the depth that the Astros had beyond the big league club. Like I've been saying that for two years, okay? That there isn't a lot of depth behind the, behind the major league, behind the, the starters, the superstars in, in the club. Prospect depth, depth, or both? Okay, both. because There's teams can have depth of those four A guys. And yeah, I, I think the Astros have quite a bit of four A. I, I don't, I don't, disagree, I don't disagree with that. I guess what I'm saying is you don't win championships with that. So you've got if you have one guy playing or two guys playing or a bunch of help, you got Garrett Stubbs behind the plate to spell Chirinos. You've got Tyler White at first base, who is not the answer to carry a club. You've got Tony Kemp at second base, who's a good role player and he's earned the right to be in the big leagues. He's definitely a big leaguer, but is he? You can't carry him and White at the same time without Springer and Marisnik in the lineup. That's three outs. One of them by themselves isn't an out. Two of them are going to hurt each other. Three is, that's, that's one time, that's an inning. That's an inning three times a game, right? So if you're looking at that, and it's no, hey, look, it's, it, there, somebody's listening to this and say, Jeremy, you're killing Tony Kemp. I'm not killing Tony Kemp because I like him be- the best of the three. I'm talking about with what's around you. If you have Mike Trout, who will be a topic later in this, in this podcast, if you have Mike Trout, in the lineup, he needs some protection somewhere. You can't just walk Mike Trout four times a game because you're not worried about who's behind him. Good players have to be around you. So what does this do for the club? It doesn't mean these guys are bad players. It means it's not a championship team without something in the lineup. They're missing Springer, Altuve, Correa. They're missing, dare I say it, Max Stassi. They're missing... They got two starters in the the rotation. Three with Peacock in the rotation. We have some issues right now. Yeah, I like what you're saying, but here's you're missing the point. What's the Jeremy. point? The, What's point the point is it's not that this is the the championship. This we know this isn't a championship hold on, my, team. Hold, my rib hurts. Wait a we don't need we don't need this. If you're an Astros fan, you're saying I don't need this to be a championship team. What I need this to be is just get me through the next couple of months. Okay, so let's talk. And about, can they do that? But, I think that this group. Is it going to be pretty? No, but I think that they have enough of a lead in the division that I think that they will still be in first place by the time this is all said and done. Well, and I think that is the best case scenario. So this talk of you saying, "Oh, it's going to be a championship team," it's not that. It's not. They're, they're not. This isn't supposed to be a championship team. This is supposed to be a band aid to get them to July and August. Okay, but time out. We got the Oakland A's. Who before we started taping, we said what ten in a row? They had a ten game winning streak. Okay, those guys get hot. And, I, and last year I was all out on the Oakland Athletics, and I had to apologize. I still do to David and Billy, but. The reality is, is that we're in a situation with that club where that club can catch fire and play some pretty good baseball. The Rangers are not are, are who they are. The Mariners have you know overachieved early. They're who they are. You have the Astros, you mm-hmm. have the A's, and you have the Angels, right? And at any given time, any of these clubs can beat up on the other, even just for a couple of games. And the Astros are going to play, and they you know like the way that it always bears out. It's a heavy it's a heavy divisional schedule, right? So we don't know what without looking at the, at the calendar. These guys can knock each other around for a while because that Astros team is very pedestrian. It's a oh, very pedestrian a club. No, so you're, I agree with that. You also have nagging injuries here. You have Altuve that's had a setback, right? You have Springer that's got a hamstring. You have Correa that's got a rib injury. Four to six weeks, four to six weeks, four to six weeks. You have a couple of months here where you can lose position. Guys got to come back and get hot. Now, look, I still say they're going to run away with the division at the end of the year unless these guys have season-ending injuries. My concern has never been the offense. 
My concern has always been the pitching. So if I'm an Astros fan, yeah, I'm looking for a Band-Aid. But now is the time you can bring up Jordan Alvarez and plug him in at first base. I would agree and, with that. And watch what he's doing and let Kemp fill in at second and have Bregman and Gurriel. And then you've got the hottest prospect in baseball today, as it stands today. You've got a second baseman who's, who can be a Band-Aid, right? You've got Redick in right. You've got Bradley in left. And then you're not missing as many holes. You need another bat. And if you get another bat, then you can patch some of those holes there. And look, Tyler White, no, no offense, man, but I mean, I'm just saying. No, I agree. I think this would be the perfect time to bring up Jordan Alvarez. Uh-huh. Jordan Alvarez. And the next uh, David Ortiz. This would be the opportunity because you're missing so much thump in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, this sounds seems like to me the perfect time to bring up Alvarez. What do you got at third base? If you have Bregman at short, right? Because he's going to go play short. Yeah. Okay. What do you got at third? Tony Mayfield? Kemp is going to do it. Mayfield? Jack, Jack's, again, he's a, he's, a, he's a filler. He's a one-time through the league, if that type yeah. of guy. You know, he come, plays every fifth day. I mean, that's what Jack is going to do. And I'm happy for him, by the way. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. also equally happy for Garrett Stubbs from USC, who uh, was called to the big leagues and made his debut. He was a kid I actually liked, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that report later. Maybe, you like Mayfield, too. I did. I like Mayfield. I posted your uh, Mayfield scouting report on Twitter. I think you had him in the 11th or 12th 11th round, round, which yeah. is, um, well, what, about 35? Six rounds better than than anybody else than anybody yeah. else because he went undrafted. Yeah, I, I put him there because you know in the draft, which is another conversation, you put guys in a certain spot because that's where they would fit on your list. That's where you'd be comfortable paying them. It doesn't mean that's where they go, sure. right? Garrett Stubbs, I think, actually did go in the fifth round, and I put him in the fifth round. Like that's I liked him there, and um, he was a senior sign who could run, who's athletic. I think I said Greg Zahn is what I compared him to. Um, but he consistent contact and used the whole field and, and played the little game and threw guys out and he had some things he do. He had sixty arm. He had some things he could do. So um, I actually liked him. Mayfield. I, my comp on Mayfield was a guy that I spent spring training with one year named Chris Barnwell. I had to look that up. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. You stumped me on that yeah, one because I, I was like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, he was he was a guy that I think got a cup of coffee in the big leagues. The Brewers. Like, yeah, for a minute and we spent spring training together in two thousand two and he just reminded me of a guy that like played everywhere in the infield and filled in whatever he could and was just a scrappy player. And that's who Mayfield reminded me of. It was a it was an emergency help once or twice in the big leagues type of guy. And congratulations to both those guys for making their big league debut. Big leaguers forever, so that's great. Um you know, but but the reality is, you're not going to win that way. Even even holding the lead for longer than a short period of time, you're not going to win that way. Especially with the pitching, not in the situation that it's in. Which, which Brad Peacock. Now we started the year right, and who, we asked me who I liked the most, and I said oh, those three was McHugh, Miley, and Peacock. And I said, you said Peacock. I said Brad Peacock. And, and guess what? He has changed his approach on the mound, and he has been. Really solid. He's a guy, and he should have been in the rotation, and he should have been pitching last year against uh, uh, behind Keuchel in Game Five, or was that Game Four here when when um, Steve Pierce hit the ball that hasn't landed yet out of the stadium <laughs> off Joe Smith, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And nothing against Joe Smith, but that's the guy you go to. And Peacock continues. Brad Peacock continues to earn his time in the rotation, his innings. I'm good for him. Okay, but you got Verlander, you got Cole, who I believe is a free agent after this year, correct? And you've got Corbin Martin, who's come up and had a good start, and we talked about that before, and he's um, been whacked around a little bit last couple of starts. And then you have Miley in there, and then you have Peacock. Speaking of Corbin Martin, in our last podcast, you said this. For me, he's, you know he wants to be a starter, but he's a reliever. He's a better fit for this club, and it's a better fit for his career to be in, a, in the bullpen. But um, they went and got some power, and Corbin Martin's got some power. That, that, that he does have, and... Um, he's in the rotation now. Is he a long-term answer at the number three spot? I don't know. Um, he's the guy for right now, and he deserves every opportunity to see if he's going to stay there and pitch in that spot and help the club. 
We mentioned this on Sports Extra on Sunday. Is he a long-term answer in this rotation? You said no. And I thought it was very interesting what you said. You mentioned, and I couldn't think of an example either after you said it. Right. It is very rare to see a college reliever become a middle-of-the-rotation starter in the major leagues. Well, (laughs) doesn't happen. Doesn't happen often. Doesn't happen. A college reliever becoming a major league starter. When does that happen? Show me another one. I couldn't think of one. And I'm not saying that he can't be the guy. Finnegan, maybe? But he was Uh, a starter, wasn't he? He was a starter at TCU. I'm not saying he can't be the guy. I'm saying it's, 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 I can't think of one happening. And, and, and he's extremely power oriented in what he, in what he does. Now, look, I told you at the beginning too, I said on sports extra, I said, if he goes out and shuts out people for nine innings and strikeouts, 27, I'm going to say it's one game. And if he gives up 27 runs in an inning, I'm going to say it's one game, right? I mean, it's, it's, but we need to have a body of work. And the things that concerned me was everything was hard, 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 whether it was the slider, whether it was the fastball, he threw a couple of breaking balls that changed shape a little bit. Maybe they're the same pitch, maybe they're not, but he, his changeup was a weapon. His fastball was a weapon. But he ha- guys like that have to change speeds and have to have some kind of feel. And I was concerned not with his control, but his overall command, right? And that's what's, that's what's been getting him in trouble recently. There's so much to get to. I don't even know where to continue or where to go next. Should we go draft? Or should we talk about the draft? Well, given those choices, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's I say option B. Let's go with the draft. This is my favorite time of year, yeah. one of them. Yeah. I saw the Angels department today in uh, Cyprus. I'm yeah. sorry, what? It's the, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yes. Scouting department was here today ah. in, in Cyprus, Texas, and they were having a workout for pre-draft prospects. Jared Southard was actually attending, and he's got a big arm up to 98. We had him international week last year for the national team. Mm-hmm. So those guys were here. They were all here, and they're going in. We call it going in, right? They're going in tonight. They're leaving here, and they're going to Anaheim. Was, the, was this at the Future Star Series Complex? It was actually at a complex nearby. It was supposed to be at the Future Star oh, okay. Series Complex. There was little wires crossed. And, oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, but it was supposed to be there. But anyway, um, saw them there, and uh, these guys are going into work right now. I mean, it's, it's time to go line everybody up and, and, and argue it out for about 10 days. The one thing that I've seen that I'm kind of scratching my head at or over is the fact that some of these mock drafts have the Astros taking a high school player. I don't see that happening. I think it was very clear last year that given high school versus college, Michael Elias came out and said basically that it cost we can much. control costs on a college player. And based on that, I don't think the philosophy's changed just because a couple of people have left. The only high school pitcher or player, I just gave it away. Actually, Fangraphs has the Astros taking Logan Davidson shortstop from Clemson. I can see that. Baseball America originally had Drew, Drew Jamison, a, uh, a uh, power reliever type from Ball State. Not in the first round. Well, never. Now they have guys. Daniel Espino, Espino, who you know. Espino falls to that pick. I'll eat my hat. And MajorLeagueBaseball.com has J.J. Goss from Cy Ranch. Now, who was also a future star series guy didn't make the event. Go ahead. Now, listen, if there is a guy that I could see perhaps them taking as a high school kid, it would be J.J. Goss because sometimes, if you look throughout history, players in your backyard would give a team a hometown discount just to stay close to home or to be in the system of the team they grew up with. I could see that happening. But 
Is there any chance that Goss even falls to the Astros at 32? Well, the Astros, let's go back to Whitley for a minute, a couple years ago. The Astros took Forrest, Forrest Whitley, who Forrest is now Whitley, on the DL, that, IL. Is that, is that 2015 or 16? 2016. They took Whitley in 16, mm-hmm. okay, and 17th pick overall, right? So they're not afraid to do it. Mike Elias is now in Baltimore mm-hmm. with whatever that is over there. He's now in Baltimore, right? And so Jeff is, once again, making the pick. And, and I would believe that the model is going to spit out whatever it's going to spit out. If they got a chance to get a college performer to help this club in the short term, they're going to do it. Well, that's what models That's what the models typically do spit out because you can't rely on high school statistics for the most part. Now, granted, you could track man and all that spin rate. We're going to talk about track man today, kids. too. We're going to talk about Dude, that. we don't have time for all oh, this. We, we talk, we're going to cover that one. So okay. um, when it comes to... To the Astros pick. I don't think Espino or Goss is there at 32. I didn't think Naylor was going to be there at 29 either, and he was. And I was certain Seth Beer would be there at 28, whatever pick that was. But I didn't think those two guys will be there. I think Espino has some of the best pure stuff in the draft. And J.J. Goss, he's one of our partner programs from Hunter Pence, right? He's over at Cy Ranch. Um, man, he's got everything he does is live. It's fast, it's loose, it's quick. And I told you a year ago, we were sitting in here around now. And so we Cy Ranch has two prospects who are very highly regarded to All-Americans yeah. in Matthew Thompson yep. and J.J. Goss. Both are A&M commits. Both are A&M Thompson commits. at the time, I mean, up until probably his junior year, he was rated as the one or two top pitching prospect of his class. Yeah, it was leading all the way up through last year. summer, and yeah. it was by almost everybody. And mm-hmm. what did I tell you when I saw them you, last June? You thought Goss was better. I said, Goss is better. It's live. It's fast. It's heavy out of the hand. It's quick. It repeats. It's a, it's a swing and miss slider. It, it's got a feel for a changeup, and, and the fastball just, has, just plays with you. It gets on you late. It's late life. It's in the hitting zone life. It's tough to lift, and it's everything you're looking for with his body and his projection as far as how he's going to – to survive as a starter, right? Plus the mound presence and the makeup, pretty good. Um, he's had some things around him away from his coaches at Cy Ranch and, and Hunter Pence, Aaron Cunningham, and Sean, Dan- Sean Danielson, and a great job with him, um, that have concerned me a little bit, to be honest with you. They've mm-hmm. concerned me. Some of, the, some of the advice he's gotten at times has yes. been, been concerning. But I will tell you that J.J. has done everything he can to put himself in a position and earned it with the help of the Cy Ranch staff and Aaron Cunningham, again, and Sean Danielson, to become what he's become today. He's got some serious ceiling. I don't think he's around at 32. He, he's somewhere around the 15 to 20 range for me. Um, but again, high school right-handers in the draft, they get kind of funny. His speed is 100 miles an hour. And he pitches at 95, 96, and that's where he should sit. And it's a swing and miss breaking ball as well. And he, he's done it at every stop along the way you want to see them do it. He did it um, at Area Code Games at East Coast Pro. He did it at our event. He did it at uh, Perfect Game uh, All-American. He did it in Under Armour. He did it in the summer circuit for his team. And, and it was it, just looking back on that kid's growth when I first saw him at 88 to 90 to where he is now, the work ethic, the makeup, I'll put that kid up against anybody. So why has he fallen in the minds of some evaluators? Because the, the, the history of right-handed pitchers who yeah, throw hard pitch, and the potential of blowing out that arm early on in your pro career? So I, I, to answer that, I'll give you an example. There's a kid named Anderson Espinoza. Okay. Padres have him. They traded for him from the Red Sox maybe a couple years ago. Um, he has, he's been hurt. Now, I was in the Dominican Republic with David Post in 2015, and this 17-year-old kid named Anderson Espinoza comes out for the, for the Red Sox that day, and he's pitching against Team Canada. Okay. And it was some kind of filthy. It was 97, and it was a power breaking ball, and it was uncomfortable to even watch, let alone stand in against. <laughs> and it was it was the highlight of my year. I looked at Posty, and he looked at me, and I was like, "We got." And so, sure enough, San Diego trades for 
Anderson Espinosa, right? Not too much long later. So he gets hurt again. I sent Posty a text and I was like, this was the best kid I saw all year that year. And he said, pitchers will break your heart. And that's what I would say about right-handers, right-handed pitchers. Pitchers will break your heart. We have to remember that while you're in the draft, you're trying to get the best of something at every pick you get. There's always somebody else. And I keep using the Paul Goldschmidt analogy versus a Dustin Ackley from back in 2009. Dustin Ackley went two, so he's the best hitter on the planet that year. Paul Goldschmidt went in the eighth round. How'd that work out? So there's always something else, right? So these guys are going to, and I understand, with the, with the history of high school right-handers, a kid like Espino and Goss would have gone in the first 10 picks maybe 15 years ago. Today, mm-mm. Second half of the round, and probably so, um, probably deservedly so is what I would say. I think Espino over Goss, just again, because of the total domination, but Goss has a cleaner delivery, better arm action. Daniel is a little bit disjointed at times, but he, get, he gathers it on time, and everything comes through when it needs to be, and he's still the best right-handed pitcher in the country for me, college or, or high school. Because this uh, podcast is located in the Houston area, it's worth noting that the area's top professional prospect with at least ties to the area is right-handed pitcher Jackson Rutledge, who spent this past season at San Jack. He originally went to Arkansas, then transferred to San Jack. He was supposed to go to Kentucky next. Yep. That ain't happening. That's not happening. I saw him. Because I had him on my radar gun at 97. So it's kind of a funny story because San Jack typically plays an exhibition game with the Sugarland Skeeters as the Skeeters have their spring training, if you will, before the season. And I can guarantee you that these guys for the Sugarland Skeeters during their preseason exhibition game with Sanjak, they weren't expecting a guy to be hitting 97 on the gun but that's what we had. You had him higher than had him, that. I had him at 99, and I, I went to go see him pitch in, uh, against Alvin. And I was meeting a friend of mine there, and I was going to go down there. And, of course, I walked in, and the whole planet's there, right? I mean, pick somebody. And it's almost like the, the advisory board was, like, sitting behind home plate in the second row. No, it was, it was great. But it was he, – he has a chance – he can steer his fastball where he wants to. It's not just power. It's a heavy ball. It's forcing him up in the zone. It's light when it gets upstairs. When he's down, down in, the, in the bottom of the zone, he's tough to lift. Um, it's, it's, a, it's six foot eight. It's durable. It, it could be Jeff Neiman, which is not all that great, but it could also be, you know, a better version of Pelfrey, right? He's a guy that it's earned his position as well. Fastball plays. He's got four pitches. It's not, not common to see a guy have two breaking balls at that size that he can execute that have a chance to be plus. And, and so he's earned his position in that top 15 picks. I, I don't know that it's a top 10. It could be, but keep in mind, we're, we're killing, I say killing in air quotes because that's what we say in baseball. We're killing them. Um, we're killing Goss and Espino for being right-handed pitchers at 18, and we're pumping this guy up at 19 and saying we're going to take him and put him in the first 10 picks. I, so for me, we got to stay consistent with it. Pitchers will break your heart. If we're going to go just across the board while Rutledge didn't pitch much at Arkansas, right? Some injury issues. Right? So he's 19 years old turning 20, or he's 20 right now turning 21. He's more 19, 20. Um, these kids are 17 turning 18. It's not that big a difference. It's one year. And the kid did have injuries as a freshman. Not killing him. Completely buying into what I saw. Um, he could go anywhere from 8 to 25. I think he goes in the top 10. He could. That's my prediction. He could. Do you have a comp for him? Oh, you just gave it to me. Sorry. Pel- yeah, Pelfrey just, and... Uh, Pel- well, Neiman. I mean, it's a better version of Pelfrey because this guy's a horse. Um, but, you know, Jeff, Neim- uh, Jeff Neiman is the guy. I'm going to do a little bit of a fearless prediction for the Astros draft. Yeah. Spencer Henson 
first baseman, Oral Roberts? I got nothing. <laughs> I look at how much they love production and numbers. To me... Are they stat-oriented, the Astros? Here's a kid who raked at Oral Roberts in the Summit League, yeah. has not won the Triple Crown once, but twice, yeah. and raked in the Alaska Summer League. Those are some massive ballparks in Alaska. I Is know, I've been there. Listen, man, I put this kid's numbers up against anybody. I'm just asking if it's historic. You tell me. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, and I here's what I don't understand, Jeremy. I don't see him on any... Well, I, I think I know why. I'll get to that in a second. I don't see him any top 250 draft lists. I don't see him in any top 500 draft lists. And it boggles my mind. That's, that is not going to bother those guys. They're going to take who they want to take. I mean, I, it's, it's, a, it's Here's an impressive why. resume. Why? 6'2", 240, 235, 240. Gotten better. He's, he's, uh, the body's a lot better. Who's the kid the A's took out of Alabama? Back when in the Moneyball draft in two thousand two, and they had all those first round picks. Oh, well, we're not here. We're not selling jeans, Jeremy. Jeremy Brown. Here are the numbers this past year: three sixty two, average twelve seventy seven OPS, nineteen homers, fifty one bombs. Or, a, no, excuse me, nineteen homers, fifty one runs driven in. Fifty one home runs, a lot of home runs. Excuse me, I misspoke. Fifty one RBIs. Fifty one runs driven in. The year before, as a sophomore, three sixty four, ten homers, fifty eight runs driven in, and. In the summer, he led the homer, uh, led that Alaska Summer League with seven homers. You know, here's something a write up Baseball America. The lazy assumption is to see Henson's 6'2, 240 pound frame assume that he's just another bad bodied first baseman. But scouts and coaches agree he is surprisingly athletic for a player his size, which is why he ranks so highly on this top prospects list. The reason why you don't, you don't take him there, not to interrupt you, is because you don't have to. It's not because he doesn't deserve there, he doesn't deserve to go there. He sounds like an Astros guy. Yeah, he does. He? But not, Make no mistake, his bat will be what helps him advance as a pro, plus raw power, incredible bat speed, a great understanding of the strike zone, great bat control that allows him to spray the ball to all fields with authority. He was generally considered the toughest out in the league. Most think he'll be a first baseman at the next level, could play some third in a pinch. He'll need to watch his body, try to stay athletic so he doesn't become a bat-only prospect, but his future is bright. So Tell me that doesn't sound like right, an Astros draft pick. Is he a right-hand hitter? I don't remember. Okay. Um, it's funny. Who wrote that? It might be uh, Carlos, but I'm not sure. I don't have Is it MLB.com? No, is it's, it? it's, a lot. it's um, Baseball America. So, I mean, these guys are good writers. Mm -hmm. I know Carlos. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys are really good writers. When you're scouting, you don't use words like great and, excuse me, and generally... He's a righty, righty. So he's a right, right first baseman, 6'2", 240 with great offensive production and no ceiling other than his bat is a carrying tool. Yeah. Who's that remind you of? I know who it reminds me of. Who's that? Paul Goldschmidt. Could be. Goldie was 6'5". I was thinking more Tyler White. Tyler White, all right. So, I mean, you can, you know, for every Goldschmidt, even if you get him and he's Goldie, it's the eighth round. You know, I mean, so you don't have to take him there. Yeah. Um, it's no, funny. I'm not. I'm not saying he's a first or second or third no, or fourth. It. I'm not saying. I'm just saying he's an Astro. This guy sounds like an Astros draft pick, I think, right? I think, I, th I think they'll take him. I think I, I give right? you that one. I'll go with you on that. It's funny. The Goldschmidt draft uh, keeps coming up. What twice, three times in this conversation tonight. Mm -hmm. um, 
because there's an article on MLB.com we mentioned Paul Goldschmidt and how he saved a club from passing on Mike Trout. Okay. And I haven't read the article. You haven't read the article? No. Yeah, it came out. It was about um, – it's on here somewhere. I, I'll send it to you later when we get done. But the point was it was about Tommy Allison's, how Mike Trout slipped in the draft to 25. The Angels took Mike Trout 25th, Randall Gritchick 24th. And that year there was a couple teams that had two picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 2009. You know, uh, the Seattle Mariners had two picks in the first round. They had two and 27. They took uh, Nick Franklin at 27 and Dustin Ackley at two. The Anaheim Angels, again, had Randall Gritchick, took him 24, and Mike Trout at 25. The Arizona Diamondbacks had picked 16 and 17 back-to-back. They took A.J. Pollock at pick 17, who's turned out to be a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took Bobby Borchering at 16. Yeah, third who, baseman. Who, yeah, who never set foot in the big leagues. And the article came up about how Mike Trout was passed over because Tommy Allison, who's now the VP of scouting with the Mariners, didn't see him well, good the second time. And great reports from his scouts, his area guys and his cross-checkers and even a pro guy who had gone to the same high school, um, had a lot of information on him. And it balanced out because they took Goldschmidt. But imagine but he passed on Trout because he took him early. He didn't see him good the second time. Went saw him once, didn't see it, loved it, was all in, didn't trust his guys the second time around. So you turn around, you get Goldschmidt in that draft. That's how good the later picks can be with guys like that. Now, you brought up TrackMan earlier in the podcast, and Major League Baseball now is, I don't want to say distancing itself from oh, TrackMan. Why not? Okay, I'll say <laughs> distancing itself from TrackMan. What does this mean in the big picture now? Well, because so many teams have hired these people who are all in on TrackMan, right? Oh, there's not just that. There's, there's a departments that have built their entire analytics uh, formula on TrackMan. Whoops. So let me go back to this and I'll say this, okay? You're dealing with Doppler radar. You're dealing with technology. You're dealing with machines. This stuff isn't going to work 100% all the time, right? That's fine. And with TrackMan and FlightScope and anything like that, if it's a millimeter off that way or a, 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 a quadrillimeter over this way or whatever mathematical you know sliver we're going it, to... It's it's off. It doesn't work. So, you know, after all this... this um, this stuff about Atlantic League is going to use TrackMan, right? And this is going to. Sh- I was down at a bunch of complexes not too long ago, and they're all coming down. Things are coming down. Major League Baseball starting. They're literally they're taking them down. Down and major. At least TrackMan has deals with clubs that have to go a little longer, right? They have the MLB deal, and then they have some individual deals with teams. All thirty. Well, what, what what's happening is that they're not getting all the data. In some cases, they're getting fifty to fifty-five percent of the balls in play, or the pitches, and 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 batted ball contact, and defensive metrics, and things they're looking for that come with TrackMan. How can you build a department or have anything reliable if you're getting half of it? Don't you need subjective evaluators to turn around and get that? Otherwise, known as scouts. So this is where we fall into uh, fall into trouble here. So Major League Baseball, rightly and correctly has gone away from something like that with the feedback of the clubs. And now they're going to something called Hawkeye, which is a field view system that is amazing tech- technology, which is now what it's going to be. And somebody put it very well for me the other day. They, put it, they said it perfectly. They said TrackMan was the best of its time. That means it's over. And people already didn't trust FlightScope. And FlightScope and TrackMan use the same radar and the same systems. And I don't know, because I don't know why you didn't trust one, because I trust, I use FlightScope and I didn't trust either one. I didn't trust either one when I got 14 year olds being sold on TV for having exit velocities of 120 <laughs> miles per hour. Are you kidding me? 
the best players in baseball have a hard time getting to that number. You're going to tell me the best athletes in the world aren't as good as 14 year olds. <laughs> get off it. And so you got to turn around. We got to turn around. We got these problems when it comes to track, man. I'm not killing data, man. I'm a, I'm a data head mm-hmm. more than people think. We do in-game metrics. We do some cognitive testing. We do uh, predictive numbers as opposed to raw data, which is just a component. We do cognitive testing. We do athletic assessments. We do a, a big picture of, of, of the player as far as how we tie that together and role building from a scouting side and, and subjective vision and, and, and the roadmap from the development side because that's what development's supposed to do. But we're not basing all of our stuff at all on what a machine says. And clubs that are doing it right have gone away from this machine thing 100% because that is exactly that. It's technology. If it breaks, you have nothing left. And so for me, it was more than a little funny to watch that happen because I've been saying for three years that stuff was wrong. And guess what? Oops. So the good clubs out there that are winning, I mean, Tampa Bay, I got kind of more respect not only for Tampa Bay because of their culture, mm-hmm. but because of who their personnel is, how their, how their model works. The Angels do it right as far as their models coming together and the people they have in place and what they're putting into the system. A lot of the Angels testing that they do is the testing we do. They get it. Like they, I, we, we're, we, we're right here. I mean, they get it. And so, but it's, it's analytic heavy because that's just information. You would want information, but it doesn't discount what the scouts say. And when I read stories about Jack Mayfield in The Athletic from Jim Stevenson, Jay, from Jake Kaplan, yeah, it, it took a guy who knew a guy. Right. And it wasn't because the numbers spit that out. And for me, it's always. I know so many players and past players, and yes, tools and ability is so important, but you know what, man? It doesn't, the numbers don't measure what's between the ears and what's underneath beating inside your chest because that ultimately is the deciding factor, those two things between making it and not making it, and numbers, yeah, they're great, but they don't tell you those things. Give me things like line but, drive. But you know who does? What? The scout who knows the guy who's been following him for two, three, four, five years. They can't tell you makeup, and, and no matter what they tell me, what they, people that are proponents of this say, they can't tell you what a role is supposed to be. They can't tell you where the player is going to go. They can't tell you what process is here, and they can't tell you what, how it should come together in the end. They can tell you what the, what the computer says. I tell you what the stats say, what the line says. That's the for, that's the foundation of it. That's the formula. That's the basis, and that's all it does, right? It's so much more than that when it comes to building a player, and so much more than that when it comes to building a, building a team. And so when I look up and I see that, and Jack Mayfield was signed by, by Jim Stevenson of the Houston Astros. In in oh he led off for Oklahoma that year. He, he led off all year. Yep. And and performed, and it was just like okay, this guy's all right. You can pick yeah. it up. And that's it. And Jim Stevenson got to know the kid and signed him after the draft. And he also had some help from the staff at Oklahoma, of course, because uh, they felt like wow, this kid, there's something in there. We think that he's he deserves a chance. And and based on the article in the Athletic, that when the Astros were looking for, let's be honest, a filler, right. Uh, to fill out their rookie league teams, short season teams. This recommendation that Stevenson got, mm-hmm. and that's how Mayfield winds up and winds up an Astro and winds up now, all these years later, all these bus rides later. Good for him. As a Houston Astro. Good for him. Good for him. So I, I, the track man thing was, was more than a little funny. Mm. It was in the Dominican when it broke. It was more than a little funny. Do you want to do the past scouting report? 
I have. I, it I actually up. I like Stubbs. I liked him. So I only have part of it. I can't pull up the other part. I couldn't get anybody. I couldn't get anybody to pay attention. I was like, can we take this kid? He's a senior. He's free. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Stubbs, catcher, University of Southern Cal, college senior, USC. Regular on a second division club and a backup catcher in major league role on a championship club. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me read that again. Please Regular do. on a second division club and a backup catcher in major league role on a championship club. Hmm. Okay. Can handle a few days a week and help the club. Number eight hitter in a major league lineup when he plays. Works counts, makes consistent contact, short to the ball with rhythm and plate discipline. You are loving every single word of Every this. single one. Where's Barstool when you need him? Can hit to the situation. Athletic enough to help at multiple positions if needed. Live and loose body that won't hold up to that everyday grind, but can hold up with proper use. Gamer with instincts to play. I first came across Garrett Stubbs when he came to the Alaska League in 2012, played with the Peninsula Oilers, and I looked at him and I thought, this kid looks like a sophomore in high school. Yes, sir. But man, he could play. He can play. and But the body has always been... The durability, right? Has been yeah. a hang-up. Who'd I compare can it to? He? Do you have it? I don't have that part. So it's, it's down there. What number is it? Oh, I got it. On the list. Yeah. I'll get it. I liked him. Jeremy, I liked him. talk. And I'll, I liked I'll him. Find it. Oh, I liked him. I saw them a lot that year. And he was a senior. And the draft is a senior. I'm like, what are we doing? I think he went in the fifth round, right? Something like and that. I, was I don't like, have it in front I had of him in the fifth round. I was like, can we just can we take this guy? Like, he can do everything we want. He'll get through the system. He'll help you. He'll give you depth. His options, a trade chip, something to help you. Couldn't get anybody to pay attention. And I guess that was kind of like the story of my time over there but the reality is he was pretty good um he's earned his way to the big leagues and i couldn't be happier for him you know and 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 also i had some pretty good insight into him because we had a good area scout named ryan holmes who's a very good area scout with the mariners and um knows his players and uh gabe alvarez is a former teammate of mine was a recruiter still is a recruiter as of right now at usc um you know and i got to know the kid you know i got to know the kid ryan did a great job with him and um, Southern California, where, where set, what twenty percent of the big leagues come from California, and we we couldn't get this kid. Man, that was frust- that was frustrating. Tim Anderson hurt. This one's this one's like, what are we doing? Are you kidding me? So it was uh, but nothing. Look, I wasn't making the pick. I'm not trying to ride anybody. They made the decision they made. I'm just mm-hmm. saying this one was one of those ones you look up later, and he's going to help a team get back to the World Series. New Balance Future Star Series last year's International Week. Espino yeah. is the the big gun. Kyron Paris. Uh. I saw Glenn Allen Hill Jr. Yep. I saw the kid from Canada. Desan Brown. Desan Brown. Top 250, right? Desan Brown's going to go about the first 60 picks. Who else should be, we be looking for? Kyron Paris from Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have, he'll go about the first 25 or 40 range. Um, Aaron Roberts has been up to 95, 96. He's got a chance if somebody wants to take him. You've got Jared Southard, you know, third, fourth round, something like that, um, who, if he goes to Texas, will throw 98 to 100 miles an hour and pitch at 95, 96 with two breaking balls and go in the first 12 picks. So, um, you know, you've got Brock Jones, who is not listed anywhere, but he's a two-sport uh, athlete. He's a very high-ceiling athlete. He was compared to Lenny Dykstra. Um, and he's going to end up going to Stanford to play football and baseball. He's a, he's a Scott Boris advisee. He's going where? Stanford. Play football and baseball. Yeah, so he he's he's he, not signing, and he's a Scott Boris advisee. Yeah, so that's not happening. Um, 
You got Dylan Rosario out of Puerto Rico, who is is you know one of the the best shortstops in the in the country. Um, you've got who else do we have out of that? We got Cameron Meeks, who didn't make it to the National Week because he was tired at the time. He's up to ninety six right now, the breaking ball, um, six foot five, kind of built like Taiwan Walker. He'll go second round, third round. He's just under the radar type of guy. Maybe they take him a little later, but he'll get paid a lot of money. Um, it, it's it's going to be a good year again. It's going to be a good class. Baseball America's hot sheet. They come out each week mm-hmm. with. Uh, can I just say, I was really skeptical about Baseball America's new format. What's that? Monthly. Oh, that. Yeah. I gotta admit, I like it. I like it. I think they've done a really nice job with their overhaul. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like the. I like the feel of the thing. I like everything they're packing in there. They're keep. They've kept the obituaries. <laughs> Right, um, but I noticed on their hot sheet there was uh, the top ten or whatever hottest prospects in the game. Not the best, but the ones who are performing the best at this time. Sure. On the list was a guy that the you liked, um, Chris Bubik. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Had him in the second round out of high school. Uh, pitchability left-hander had a breaking ball and, and had command his fastball already. Projection velocity guy wouldn't be more than a 55 velocity guy, which today is more of an average based on the time. 91, 92, um, but it's going to miss bats and get guys out and soft contact. He's a starter for sure. All right, so boy, we've hit a lot of stuff today. We're just getting going. We're in 42 minutes. Oof. All right, lots to talk about. There is. All right, one last uh, prediction on the draft: college or high school? For the, the Astros, Astros, yeah. And they pick 32? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say college. Yeah, college. Definitely college. Best player available on the board at that point? Of course, right? Well, their board. Yes. I don't want to get into a whole... <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. But I, I think... Uh... I mean, look, Seth Beer is hitting in double A. He is. It's a long way from the big leagues, but he's hitting in double A. And I, I didn't say he couldn't hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I said there was better ahead of him at that time. And that's what I said. So, you know, look, he play, he's going to play left-hand hitter. And, you know, there was actually a joke that was made on – he won player of the month or something. I want to say it was in a high A ball. Okay. He won player of the month, and he was listed as an outfielder. And somebody said, why is Seth Beer still listed as an outfielder? Is that a – is it a joke? <laughs> so – Look, look, I'm not look, I'm not going to kill the kid and you know, he's he, he's good for him, he's having success. He's been able to hit and drive the baseball for a long time. So, uh, my understanding from talking to some people in the system, he's made some some adjustments to be more of a pure hitter instead mm-hmm. of all a power guy and he's to be commended for that because he's going to need to do that to have success at the big league level. All right, I think that wraps it up. Hey everybody, do us a favor. Share the podcast, tell people about it, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing right, what would you like to hear more about? This is this is a good podcast. Yeah. We think so. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with it, so. All right. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks for listening and watching Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Mm-hmm.